we must always bear in mind what an eccentric upbringing Medora Manson gave her. What can you expect of a girl who was allowed to wear black satin at her coming-out ball? Ah, uh, don't I remember her in it, said Mr. Jackson, adding, Poor girl, in the tone of one who, while enjoying the memory, had fully understood at the time what the sight portended. It's odd, Janie remarked, that she should have kept such an ugly name as Ellen. I should have changed it to Elaine. She glanced about the table to see the effect of this. Her brother laughed. <laughs> Why Elaine? I don't know. It sounds more, uh, more Polish, said Janie, blushing. It sounds more conspicuous, and that can hardly be what she wishes, said Mrs. Archer distantly. Why not? broke in her son, growing suddenly argumentative. Why shouldn't she be conspicuous if she chooses? Why should she slink about as if it were she who had disgraced herself? She's poor Ellen, certainly, because she had the bad luck to make a wretched marriage. But I don't see that's a reason for hiding her head, as if she were the culprit. That, I suppose, said Mr. Jackson speculatively, is the lion the Mingotts are meant to take. The young man reddened. I didn't have to wait for their cue, if that's what you mean, sir. Madame Olenska has had an unhappy life. That doesn't make her an outcast. There are rumors, began Mr. Jackson, glancing at Janie. Oh, I know, the secretary. The young man took him up. Nonsense, mother. Janie's grown up, they say, don't they? He went on. That the secretary helped her to get away from her brute of a husband, who kept her practically a prisoner. Well, what if he did? I hope there isn't a man among us who wouldn't have done the same in such a case. Mr. Jackson glanced over his shoulder to say to the sad butler, Perhaps uh, that sauce, uh, just a little after all. And then, having helped himself, he remarked, I'm told uh, she's looking for a house. She means to live here. I hear she means to get a divorce, said Janey boldly. I hope she will, Archer exclaimed. The word had fallen like a bombshell in the pure and tranquil atmosphere of the Archer dining room. Mrs. Archer raised her delicate eyebrows in the particular curve that signified the butler, and the young man, himself mindful of the bad taste of discussing such intimate matters in public, hastily branched off into an account of his visit to old Mrs. Mingott. After dinner, according to immemorial custom, Mrs. Archer and Janey trailed their long silk draperies up to the drawing-room, where, while the gentlemen spoke below stairs, they sat beside a carcel lamp with an engraved globe, facing each other across a rosewood work-table with a green silk bag under it, and stitched at the two ends of a tapestry band of field-flowers destined to adorn an occasional chair in the drawing-room of young Mrs. Newland Archer. While this rite was in progress in the drawing-room, Archer settled Mr. Jackson in an armchair near the fire in the Gothic library and handed him a cigar. Mr. Jackson sank into the armchair with satisfaction, lit his cigar with perfect confidence. It was Newland who bought them and stretched his thin old ankles to the coals, and said, "'You say the secretary merely helped her to get away, my dear fellow? 
Well, he was still helping her a year later then, for somebody met him living at Lausanne together. Newland reddened. Living together? Where? Well, why not? Who had the right to make her life over if she hadn't? I'm sick of the hypocrisy that would bury alive a woman of her age if her husband prefers to live with harlots. He stopped and turned away angrily to light his cigar. Women ought to be free, as free as we are, he declared, making a discovery of which he was too irritated to measure the terrific consequences. Mr. Sillerton Jackson stretched his ankles nearer the coals and emitted a sardonic whistle. Well, he said after a pause, if verily Count Olinsky takes your view, for I have never heard of his having lifted a finger to get his wife back. 